it's Ronnie Davis, and you're listening to Eating More, the place to be if you want to learn how to stop eating in ways that make you feel like crap, if you want to end the weight and food war, and start reimagining healthy eating and living. We'll show you how to change your mind, your food world, and your life with less doing and more being. A survey of American women done in 2008 found that something like 75% of them had disordered eating habits and thoughts around food. Based on experience, I'm sure that uh, the results in most of the rest of the industrialized world where capitalism reigns supreme would be pretty much on par with that statistic. And one major way in which disordered eating habits manifest themselves in our lives is through distrust. Distrust in ourselves and distrust in our own ability to decide what, when, and how much we should be eating. Now think about that for a second and let it really sink in. A very large percentage, a large percentage of our adult population doesn't even trust themselves enough to decide what they should be eating. They don't trust themselves to make this most basic of human decisions for themselves. In fact, they're going through their entire lives terrified of even the concept of trusting themselves to eat. So they're wasting their entire adult lives eating from fear, distrust, and should-bes, ineffectively trying to force themselves to follow somebody else's idea about what makes their own unique body feel its best. If you're listening to this right now, I'd be willing to bet that on some level, you're one of them. And I totally get it because I was too for a lot of my life. I take the dog, uh, my dog into the woods for a walk at the crack of dawn every morning. And the other morning we were, when we were walking, I noticed a squirrel running up a tree beside us. I stopped, I smiled at him and I watched him for a minute and he jumped over to, you know, another tree and he, he just sat there and started munching on some berries for a second. And as I stood there grinning at this little squirrel first, wondering, why does watching this little guy eat his breakfast in a tree bring me so much joy? (laughs) Then I started wondering, it struck me, isn't it funny how this little guy manages to get through his life, eating meal after meal, without ever needing a single book written by some other squirrel, or other squirrels on the internet telling him what, when, and how much he needs to eat? insisting that he needs to micromanage every morsel to be healthy. He doesn't have any of that. And yet somehow, without all of that outside input, he still somehow managed to look pretty healthy to me, running around, jumping from tree branch to tree branch, and, you know, just going and grabbing some breakfast. Somehow he manages to trust himself to just eat and live. The dichotomy between that and our species' relationship to food really struck me in that moment. We're supposed to believe that we are this highly intelligent, more evolved, super special species, somehow different, better, smarter, and more capable than all other forms of life on this planet, while somehow simultaneously also believing that we are the only species on the planet that doesn't know how to eat, that can't be trusted to just eat and live without everybody else telling us how we're supposed to do those things. Resisting, willpowering, depriving, micromanaging, controlling. 
How did we ever buy into that? Doesn't that seem insane to you? Now, you may go straight to the talking point of, but Ronnie, squirrels don't have access to all of the addictive food that we do. But bullshit. Well, I mean, not entirely. Squirrels don't have access to grocery stores with the same foods we do. That's true. But food's not addictive, guys. <laughs> At least not in the sense that we've been taught it is. And they've, they've done studies on animals with things like processed sugar, as I'm sure you've heard everywhere. Headlines everywhere shouted from the rooftops that sugar has been found to be as addictive as illegal drugs. And all of a sudden, sugar cleanses and detoxes and all that crap started everywhere. But as usual, with any kind of nutrition study, the facts get twisted to make headlines. They get skewed or flat out misrepresented. Because what the studies have actually shown is that those addictive type um, behaviors were only present when the animal's access to the food is limited, restricted, or controlled. When they could have as much as they wanted, all those addictive uh, type behaviors completely vanished. So it's not the food. It's the fact that we're trying to restrict the food, the fact that we're taught we're supposed to restrict. It's the scarcity of it that makes us feel addicted to it. So let's circle back to this trust thing again and how that applies. If every other species on the planet trusts themselves to just eat and live, if we're the only species living with distrust and all these ridiculously disordered eating behaviors, why is that? Why is it so hard to trust ourselves with food? I started to touch on it a little bit already with the restriction, but let's dive in deeper and go back in time a little bit. Because every single one of us is born into bodies that know how to eat. They know when they're hungry. They know when they're full. And they know when they've eaten something that doesn't make them feel great. And they have communication systems built right into them to be able to tell us all those things. And they want to feel their best. We are born with the innate ability to trust eat and live, just like the squirrel and every other species on the planet. And we all know this. When babies are born, we know that they cry when they're hungry. We know that they stop crying when they get the food, and they know that they stop eat we know that they stop eating when they've had enough. Can you imagine telling a crying baby that they couldn't eat yet because it wasn't supper time? Or forcing them to keep the bottle or nipple in their mouth when they clearly didn't want any more just because they had to clean their plates? Or can you imagine telling them that they could only have a little bit of formula or breast milk because there's sugar in that and sugar is toxic, addictive poison? (laughs) That would all be completely ludicrous. We implicitly trust babies. Our parents implicitly trusted us when we were babies. But something happens as babies start getting older. We stop trusting them as much and we start trying to control, right? I didn't do it a whole lot with my daughter, but only because she had health issues that required her to be tube fed. So there wasn't much opportunity. But back then when she was little, I was still stuck in the clean eating crap. So I'm sure that if she was a child like, you know, that that wasn't tube fed, I would have been doing the same thing. I would have been trying to make sure that she was eating the, quote, right things, right? And that's what happens with most kids. Parents start trying to control as they start getting older. 
It probably happened to you. A few examples of what I mean. How many times when you were growing up did you hear things like, don't eat that, it's almost supper time? But what if you were really just hungry right then and you didn't want to wait over an hour for supper? In that moment, you're taught, "Mm, too bad, you shouldn't be hungry yet, so you can't eat yet. Which is food restriction. And as we know, food restriction creates cravings and feeling be, feelings of being out of control or overeating or binge eating behaviors or addictive type feelings, right? How many times did you hear you're not getting up from this table until you're done eating when you were growing up? That just, that taught you that you can't trust your own body to tell you when you're full, so you better clean your entire plate, even if you're not hungry anymore. It also taught you that to be good and get approval You had to eat all the food. And if you didn't eat all the food, you weren't good and you had to sit at the table and be punished until you did. We're a species that craves acceptance and belonging, so imagine what kinds of eating habits that might create. And then what happens if, as a result, mom or a doctor or a friend or a family member starts to think we're gaining a little bit of weight? Uh Uh-oh, we can't have weight gain happen. Better start controlling their intake even more, right? Think about the trauma and distrust that that would create. We learn very early on that bodies are only acceptable if they're a certain size. And if they're the wrong size, it's our fault because we can't be trusted to eat the right things or the right amounts. So we have to be punished by restricting our intake. And if we, even if we don't gain weight, Certain foods are still often severely restricted. They're treated as treats. We're only allowed small amounts at certain times, and someone else gets to decide how much and when that is. I've heard a lot of clients say that their mothers would literally put the treats behind lock and key in the kitchen to keep them out of them. What kind of message does that teach kids? What kind of message did that send to you if you grew up like that? And even if the foods aren't under lock and key, our access to them is still restricted, right? And those are just a couple of examples. There are a million tiny little different ways like that, that our self-trust with food can be broken in childhood. And then the older we get, the more we get out into the world on our own, the dieting and healthy eating messages really start getting unbelievably intrusive. It's everywhere, literally everywhere. It can find a way to bleed, uh, bleed its way into you know, practically every single interaction we have as we go about our day. For me, it started in my teens with the Atkins diet and his supposedly healthy eating rules. An adult in my life gave me the book to help me learn how to, quote, eat healthy. And that's when my own self-trust went out the window. But for many, the distrust started years earlier in the ways I mentioned and, and, and in more ways. And it's just reinforced by all of the diet and, quote, healthy eating food rules we're exposed to every day. What happens as soon as you try to make yourself eat what somebody else says you're supposed to eat and try to make yourself not eat the things that they've told you you're not supposed to eat? You cannot stop thinking about it or craving the things that you've been told you're not supposed to eat or that you can only eat in limited amounts, right? That's what happens. That's not happening because you're addicted to those things or because you cannot be trusted 
with them. It's happening because you're trying to control your intake. It's happening because you don't trust yourself and you're trying to force yourself to eat according to somebody else's rules and restrictions versus just eating what your body uniquely needs and wants. It has been proven over and over and over again in study after study after study that food restriction creates these patterns of feeling out of control around food because our bodies are hardwired for survival and food equals survival. So whenever food is restricted, our brains go into survival mode to do whatever it takes to keep us alive. And in this case, it thinks that means getting us more of that food. So we go into a fear response. We disconnect from the wisdom of our bodies. We disconnect from the decision-making part of our brains. Those shut down. And then all we can hear are those frantic, fear-based thoughts, desperately trying to get us to just eat the thing so that we won't starve. And the more the food is restricted, the harder our brains work doing this to get us to eat the food that we're trying to restrict. That's the cravings and caving cycle that you know so well in action. And then what happens when we do eventually cave and have the thing? Our brains get what they want. They get rewarded because they got the food that makes them feel safe again. And they just learned how to get us to cave even faster the next time food is restricted. Over time, that cycle of craving and caving or even just mindless munching gets wired into our brains as autopilot habits that we don't even really notice or control anymore. That's why it can feel so out of control. And that's why it gets harder and harder to stick to anything the more times you've tried. Because our brains learn, they get better at getting us to cave. It's also another reason why trust can go out the window. Because every time we promise ourselves that we're going to, quote, do better and then end up caving again, we trust ourselves just a little bit less. Think about it. How much would you trust somebody who made you the same promise every day for 20 years and broke it every single time? Exactly. Not very much, right? And every time you promise you're going to do better, only to feel like you failed again because you caved, you are just breaking another promise to yourself and distrusting yourself a little bit less. That cycle is creating distrust or fueling existing distrust. Which isn't even fair because none of it was ever even your fault. Again, you were born knowing how to eat. You were born trusting yourself. You just unlearned how from parents who were trying to do their best but didn't really know the impact that those messages would have. And from a bunch of ridiculously profitable industries that depend on you distrusting yourself. And it's not only that it's just distrust, there's trauma there and there's fear. And it's all rooted in scarcity, in this not enoughness feeling that we all go through life with. So there's food scarcity that's born from restrictive rules around food and literally creates those overeating patterns. But also there's that underlying fear that we're somehow not enough, that at our core, we're not good enough. We're not good enough to make our own food choices, so we have to try to control them. We're not good enough to be able to control our body size better, so we have to keep working harder at it. We're not good enough to be able to stick to anything, so we just need more discipline. 
right? And to bring it back full circle to the trust issue, how could you trust somebody that you didn't think was good enough to be able to manage to make their own food choices? So the point of this is not at all to sound defeatist. I don't want it to sound that way at all. It's to help you understand that the reasons it's so hard to trust ourselves, to trust yourself with food, are not at all your fault. And they're not at all because you're actually untrustworthy. They're not true. You, at your core, you know how to eat. And you are completely capable of finding your way back to that inner knowing. You just, through no fault of your own, just developed some conditioned patterns and beliefs that got piled on top of and buried that inner knowing. And they just need to be excavated so you can find and then reconnect with yourself again and that trust. And you don't have to fumble around in the dark trying to learn how to do this on your own. This is exactly what I created the Cognitive Eating Academy to help you learn to do. And it's exactly what I help clients with every single week on our calls. If you need help, I'd love to see you inside. If you have questions or comments, I would love for you to reach out. Until next time. You've been listening to Being More with Ronnie Davis. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about embodied cognitive eating training and access free resources, visit www.ecet.online.